Thank you, guys. Thank you for the readers there. First ever time I preached in St. Andrew's Baptist Church was 13 years ago, and it was in Kilraymond. And I don't know if you still have the lectern, but the lectern was that one where you lean on it and the nail would shoot up at your hands. <laughs> so I remember preaching this thing with a small terror as I was leaning on it. And it was this scripture, and I come back to it again because it's one that says so much, and it speaks so much to the heart of the Christian faith and the Christian life. Recently in our congregation, we had a missionary amongst us who had served in North Korea, and he's since gone on to pastors new to pastor a church, which is exciting. But I remember him telling me this story. He told me about once how he was part of this group that would go and visit the collective farms in North Korea. You know those farms that they bring all the workers together and they pull the resources together. And this farm was being inspected by one of the, the commissioners from Pyongyang. And so the workers were taken around and the commissioners were taken around and shown this wonderful farm and the machinery and the tractors and everything was made to look perfect. And the commissioner asked one of the farmers, well, tell me, how many potatoes do you produce in a year? Must have been an Irish North Korean farm. <laughs> and um, the, commissioner said, or the farmer said to the commissioner, well, Mr. Commissioner, you know, if you got all the potatoes in this farm and piled them up in one big massive pile, they would reach right up into heaven and touch the foot of God. Now, the commissioner was a bit upset by this. And he said, excuse me, this is North Korea. This is communist country. There's no such thing as God. The farmer said, that's okay. There's no potatoes either. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that sometimes? You come to church week in and week out. You know the gist of it. You know the machinery's there. Everything's in place. But something just seems to be missing. Or you go through a season in your life where the, the enthusiasm, the joy for serving the Lord, for going on after him, just isn't always in place. You're missing the potatoes. Well, tonight's reading, I love it with Jesus. And this just looks at some preliminary stuff first as they set the scene here as Jesus and the disciples come together for an encounter. I love just even the two hearts at this that they bring to it. Jesus, time and time again, has revealed himself to the disciples. He's been to the cross we're going to remember that as we take communion, where he's bore the sins of the world. He's risen from the grave alive forevermore, death defeated, the grave empty. He's appeared to the disciples not but once, but twice, and now this would be the third time. He's proven to them that he is alive, and yet something doesn't click with them. And so as Jesus is coming in his grace, and I love the first time that Jesus appears to the disciples, the first thing he says to them, and they're sore afraid, they're terrified, is peace be with you. That's the heart Jesus brings to the encounters when he comes to us. Peace, grace. He comes in his infinite gentleness. I love that psalm about David. You know that psalm where David, we think of David as the mighty man of God. He's slaying Goliath and he's aggressive and he's strong. What does David say about the Lord? It's your gentleness that has made me great. So Jesus comes with this heart. And then Simon Peter, now I've said this many times, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have to say sorry to Simon Peter, but he is the Bible's first Northern Irishman. Every time he opens his mouth, he puts his foot in it. And here's Simon Peter. Jesus has just given these guys the last encounter. He breathed out the Holy Spirit and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. Go into all the world and I'll be with you. Go on this exciting adventure. And what does Simon Peter say? Guys, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Now, unless we're too hard on Peter, sometimes when we're faced with the unknown, 
Sometimes when we're faced with a challenge, it's easy to fall back into old habits, isn't it? So let's not be too hard on old Peter. And the other disciples weren't exactly great at pulling him together and encouraging him, were they? Let's go fishing, that's great, we'll come with you. And so they go out fishing for the night and they catch nothing, which actually in the Sea of Galilee is quite an achievement. To go out the whole night and actually catch nothing is, is quite a skill. But they catch nothing. So these guys are in confusion. Something's missing. Something hasn't clicked in place. And they're on the boat. And I love the way John's a brilliant gospel, isn't it? Don't you just love John? Have you ever, have you ever read a book or watched... Hey, man, Paulus, thank you. Oscar. Have you ever read a book and it's so good you have to read it twice? And when you read it the second time, you pick up more as you go along? Or you watch a movie and you pick up different scenes? That's a good book or a good movie, isn't it? John's gospel, inspired by the Spirit, is like that. We pick up stuff all the time. And one of the things John loves is imagery. And I love that the disciples are out all night in the cold, laboring, struggling, and as the sun starts to rise. And that's one thing I'll miss from Fife. We've got beautiful sunrises here, don't we? And sunsets. And as the sun starts to rise, weeping tarries for the night, joy comes from the morning, the sun starts to rise, and there's a figure appears on the beach, and they can't make him out, probably because the sun's behind him. And this figure calls out, and I love this. I think, Emily, you got the tone of voice right there. Have you caught anything? No. <laughs> I mean, if somebody had asked me that, if I'd been fishing all night, I don't think my response would have been quite so polite. <laughs> Cast the net on the right side of the boat. Jesus is coming to these disillusioned, these bewildered disciples, and he, he tells them to, and in fairness to them, they cast it down. And all of a sudden, the net's overwhelmed with the amount of fish. Now, Bible students, this should take us back to Luke chapter 5, should it not, when they were first called? Remember when Jesus was walking by the beach and they were out fishing and Jesus told them, you know, put your net down and you will have such a catch, you'll not be able to know what to do with it. And Peter gets it. It's the Lord. Now, here's one of the reasons why I know the scripture is true. How many of you, when you go for a swim, dress up? Yeah, you did hear me right now. How many of you think, I'm going for, mind you, if you're swimming in the, the sea out there, you probably would dress up. <laughs> Peter puts his clothes on and jumps into the sea. Now, again, unless we're too hard on Peter, actually, this is what I love about Peter. Peter was passionate for Jesus. He had a zeal for Jesus that was misguided at times, and Jesus would talk about that in a minute. But he dresses up to show respect to his Lord. And he jumps in the sea and he swims to Jesus. As he approaches the land, I wonder what the feelings in Peter's heart were as he approaches a charcoal fire. A few weeks ago, he betrayed Jesus around a fire, the smell of the smoky embers. And yet Jesus has made them breakfast. Isn't that am How amazing is Jesus? Tonight's message isn't going to be profound, but you know what? That's good because sometimes we need to go back to the heart of it. How amazing is Jesus? This is the Lord of all creation, the King of Kings, who has just returned from worship of infinite majesty, and he stops and makes his disciples breakfast. Hallelujah, what a saviour. And friend, just as a wee side note, if you're struggling away in the Lord and you're doing a task you think nobody sees, anything done for him is not wasted. Even if you give a cup of cold water in his name, you will still get a reward. He sees and so they breakfast together. And I love this. Now, let's get on to the heart of the thing, the unfinished business. Jesus does need to deal with Peter. Peter was the sort of leader of the apostolic band. He was the spokesman. He was the one who, who drove out the front there. And so Jesus pulls Peter aside after breakfast. 
And they have this remarkable conversation. Notice Jesus calls him Simon Peter back to his original name. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What a remarkable and personal question to ask. I would love to have stood on that beach and seen that scene. I don't know what Jesus looks like. We don't know what he looks like. But just imagine in your, 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 your imagination those eyes looking into yours and saying, Do you love me? Peter, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Notice he links love to him before service. The second time I asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, shepherd my sheep. Does it surprise us, actually, that Jesus asked this question? When you think back through the Old Testament to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 6, you have the great Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And what are you to do? To love the Lord your God with... You can respond, it's okay, guys. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. When you look through the Psalms... I love reading the Psalms. Some of the Psalms aren't written as dry theological texts, are they? And I love theological texts, I'm not. But they're not, they're written as a living passion. Do you really think David read Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. No, it comes from the cry of the heart. In fact, some of the Psalms say, I love the Lord, for he has heard my prayer. It's a passion outpouring of the heart, isn't it? The prophets, what were they saying to the people of Israel? Israel, you've got your sacrifices right, you've got the external right, but the heart is far from me. Would that you know this, that I desire mercy over sacrifice. And mercy translated there is steadfast love, loving kindness. We come to the New Testament, and we see Jesus coming into the world full of love. John 15 to 18, we see these beautiful descriptions about the vine and the branches abide in me and remain in my love. If you remain in my love, the Father and I will come and make our home within you. And then we stand at the foot of the cross and see the most amazing outpouring of love the world has ever seen. I love that illustration. Some of you might have heard it, but I, don't, I make no excuses for sharing it again. Alistair Begg has this remarkable scene painted in his head about the thief on the cross. I mean, there was a guy who really had no chance to serve the Lord in any way, did he? He was hanging on a cross beside him, and for most of that time he was cursing him out. And Alistair Begg says, imagine the scene in heaven when the thief on the cross arrives there. He arrives in heaven, he's made it. And the angel at the door says to the thief on the cross, and, and how did you get here? And the guy says, I don't know. The angel's like, what do you mean you, you, you don't know? I don't know. So the angel does what all the angels do in this situation and goes against their manager. So the manager angel comes and says to the thief on the cross, you know, let's clear a few things up here. What, what's your opinion on the inspiration of Scripture? No idea. Tell me, are you clear in justification by faith? Never heard of it. Let's ask the most important question. Have you been to St. Andrew's Baptist Church? <laughs> Don't know about it. And in sheer frustration, the, the angel says, on what grounds are you here? The thief says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross said, I could come. Because he has dealt with sin. He has dealt with our guilt and he is bored. As Paul says in Galatians 2.20, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Does it surprise us that Jesus asked Peter this question? The Bible is an intimate description of a loving relationship between God and his people. The holy sovereign God, the creator of the universe, 
is also the gentle, loving, good shepherd who woos his people, who gives his life for his people. That we would be forgiven. That we would know him. And so Jesus asked Peter a third time, Do you love me? Now there's various interpretations of this. The easy thing to say is, well, Jesus or Peter betrayed Jesus three times, so Jesus asked him the question three times. Yeah, I don't quite get that. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're just not listening? Have you ever had that? Have you ever gone into a shop and you're trying to get the, the shop person's attention and they're on the phone and they're pulling chewing gum out of their hair? I don't know what they're doing. You've ever had a conversation and they're just not listening and you have to grab their attention. I think that's more what's happening between Jesus and Peter here. Peter's the kind of man who throws himself into the water fully clothed. Peter's the kind of man who says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and a wee servant girl chases him away. Peter's the kind of man whose seal is right, but who needs his attention grabbed, who needs his heart looked right into, who needs Jesus to x-ray him and say to him as he's standing dripping and cold. I mean, isn't it amazing that Jesus cares about this? And yet he does. And so he looks to Peter and says, Do you love me? Why? Love for Jesus is essential to the foundation of the Christian faith. Yes, we are saved by faith and trust alone, absolutely. But as Paul reminds us in Galatians, it's faith working through love. Faith is the initial bond of trust between us and him. And as that relationship grows and develops, it flourishes into love. How many of you ever built a bridge? Anyone here ever built a bridge? I love preaching. One man. I knew it. I love St. Andrew's Baptist Church because there's always one person who can say yes to the most random of questions. Is there anyone here who knows ancient Assyrian? Oh, yeah. Just... Amen. Back in the old... I need to be careful now, so please don't correct my illustration if it's wrong. <laughs> but back in the olden days, how did you build a bridge? You've got a chasm and a gap. How do you build it? How do you divide it? You shoot now, we arrow across the other side with some tension, don't you? That's the start of the bridge. Then you build round it. Faith is that shooting of the arrow across, receiving the promises of God. Love is the bridge being built around it. Jesus calls us to love him. It's love for him that keeps us going in the Christian life. If you read 1 John, we reckon that 1 John might be the oldest book. I know, Steve, you can correct me if I'm wrong. 1 John might be the oldest book in the Bible. And its reflection is on love. Love to Jesus. Love to each other. In Revelation 2, verses 1 to 7, the church in Ephesus, that great church, that church that was flourishing and sending out disciples and preaching and doing the doctrine, Jesus looks at it and says, guys, you're great. One problem. You've forgotten your first love. Come back to me. Love for Jesus is key to the Christian life and faith. Thomas Chalmers well, how many has actually heard of Thomas Chalmers? Oh, a few have. That's good. Do you know where he was born? Anstrom. Do you know what day he was born? No. <laughs> if you do, you get a free doily. Um, he was born on the 17th of March, so he's got a connection to Ireland. <laughs> Thomas Chalmers preached a sermon. It's his famous sermon. Now, these sermons are definitely Victorians. You wouldn't get away with you know, naming sermons like this nowadays. It's called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. I mean, that's, that's quite a mouthful. Chalmers said this, We know of no other way which to keep the love of the world out of our hearts than to keep in our hearts the love of God.
What Chalmers meant by this sermon was it was no use preaching people, don't do this, don't do that. No, we all love something. As Bob Dylan says, we all got to serve somebody. And what Chalmers said was present Christ in all his beautifulness, all his loveliness, and he is lovely. And let the heart be drawn away from lesser things. Jeremiah talks about this, doesn't he? The broken cisterns, how we, we want the broken cisterns instead of the living water. A heart in love with Christ will go on with him. We'll rejoice in him. Firstly, love for Jesus. Secondly, Jesus needed Peter to know this, to love others. Look here, as I said at the start there, how this is linked. Do you love me? Yes. Then that love will flow out into love for others, like the shape of the cross. Let me tell you something that I've learned from 16 years in ministry. People are hard work. I'm hard work. Sheep are hard work. Have you seen that video? There's a video going around on Twitter at the minute. It makes me laugh. It's, it's filmed down in the fens. You know the fens down in England where you've got this really flat land and in the middle of them there's the drainage dikes which are quite deep. There's this film of a farmer who goes into the drainage dike to rescue a sheep. He goes down with the ladders. He spends about half an hour. He gets the sheep lifted out. He puts the sheep on the land. He climbs out. What happens? The sheep runs out and jumps back in. <laughs> People can be hard. People hurt us. We hurt each other. We can struggle with each other. And yet love overcomes all these things, does it not? And if somebody knows that you love them, they will go a long way with them. And that love can't be from our own strength, but must flow from the love of God in our hearts that Jesus Christ plants there through his Holy Spirit. John Wesley, a man who, I, if you ever get a chance, guys, if you want to read something that is quite profound, read Wesley's journals. I mean, he is the stereotypical Englishman, you know. Today, I was in a riot. Somebody threw a stone at me. It glanced my head, but I carried on preaching. <laughs> These guys. John Wesley says this. The love of Christ draws men through fire and water. Love to Jesus keeps us going. And our love for him will also spill over into love for others. And lastly, it gives us perseverance. If you think I'm being too soppy and sweet here, look at verse 18. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would walk wherever you wanted, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands. Somebody else will tie you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. Peter's been given a death sentence. After this, he said to him, follow me. We reckon Peter would die 36 years later. Imagine knowing for 36 years that one day somebody's going to take you out and murder you. What would keep you going through that? See the power of love here? It's not soppy. It's not sentimental. <clears throat> the love of Christ is the most powerful force in this universe that links us to Jesus and each other and keeps us going through difficult times. Peter, in 1 Peter, later on, 1 Peter 5, if you read it, he's still talking about shepherding the sheep. And loving them as Christ loved them. So friends, this evening, as we come to communion, as we come to remember his death and his display of love for us, let me ask you and let me ask myself, if Jesus appeared and looked each of us in the eye and said, do you love me? What would you answer? If your answer is yes, Lord, then I rejoice with you and pray, Lord, increase my love, like Paul says in Ephesians. If your love is cold, be honest with him and tell him that. 
Lord, relight the fires at once, burn bright and free. I love that prayer of Paul's in Ephesians. It's another one of my favourite scriptures. You're going to get one of the two of them tonight, but you'll get both of them now, two for the price of one. There you go, Abby, you're getting a bargain. Ephesians three fourteen to 21. That I would know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. A love that has no height, no depth, no width, that is immeasurable. And when we know that love, the power at work within us can do more than we could think, hope, or imagine. St. Andrew's Baptist Church, love the Lord. Love him with all your heart and soul. Pray that his love would increase within you by the Holy Spirit. Love each other and love those around us. As I close for a prayer, let me read you, I'm sure you've maybe heard it before, but let me read you the lyrics of the song that talks about what we have in Jesus if we need to increase our love and what it does for us. Let's pray together. Let me read you these lyrics. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine, I can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side the Saviour he will stay. I labour on in weariness and rejoicing. Yet in my need his power is displayed. To this I hold my shepherd will defend me. Through the darkest valley he will lead. Oh the night has been won and I shall overcome. Yet not I but through Christ in me. No fear I dread. I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid for Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold my sin, it has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. With every breath, I long to follow Jesus. For he has said that he will bring me home, and day by day I know he will renew me when I stand with joy before the throne. To this we hold, our hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him, when the race is complete, still our lips shall repeat, yet not us, but through Christ in us. Lord, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer.